It's time to gather the family around for the family discipleship portion of Household Hermeneutics. Welcome to the fourth episode of the Family Worship segment of the Household Hermeneutics podcast. As you know by now, if you've been following along, or if this is your first episode, after each main episode of Household Hermeneutics, we are going to have a second, much smaller episode that will encapsulate the topic of the main episode and provide some resources and other useful things that you can use to teach your kids in a family worship setting. This week's main episode covered the authority and inerrancy of Scripture, so today's family worship episode is going to be about how the Bible is perfect, true, and does not contain any errors. Then we will work on a new memory verse together, and we will also memorize a question and answer from a catechism. As we usually do here, we'll end with a hymn. So let's just jump right into it. The inerrancy of Scripture. In our last couple lessons, we've been talking about the Bible, right? We've talked about how the Bible is divinely inspired by God and how important it is to study and know it. Today, we're going to answer the question, does the Bible contain any errors? So to start thinking properly about this, let's start with an illustration. Imagine that you are trying to bake homemade cookies and you're following a recipe from a famous baker who makes just the most amazing chocolate chip cookies in the entire world. You have all the ingredients laid out in front of you, the oven is preheating, and you open the cookbook to the page with a recipe on it. Just as you've read through the first few steps and are starting to follow them, your mom walks into the kitchen and tells you that the recipe you're following has some mistakes in it, and then she walks away. We'll come back to this illustration in a little bit, but first, let's look at what the Bible has to say for itself on this topic. John 14, 6 says, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Hebrews 6, 18 says that it is impossible for God to lie. 1 John 5, 20 says, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know him who is true and we are in him who is true in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. And finally, Proverbs 35a, which says, Every word of God proves true. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Okay, so what do all four of these verses have in common? They clearly tell us that God does not lie, he cannot lie, as it is not in his nature, and thus every word he speaks is true. So, with that in mind, let's go back to the question that I asked at the beginning. Does the Bible contain any errors? We've already established that the Bible was entirely inspired by God, right? Every word of Scripture is God's word. Now, in this lesson, we've also shown that God never lies. So, how could the Bible, which is the word of God, O God who always is true, possibly contain any errors? If there were mistakes or errors or things that weren't actually true in the Bible, well, that would make God a liar, and we know that he's not. That would be impossible, right? Therefore, we can have confidence that the Bible does not contain a single error and that it is trustworthy. The fact that the Bible is inerrant, that it can fully be trusted to be true, is extremely important, and let me tell you why. 
If the Bible contained errors, then how could you know with any confidence what was true and what was not true? You are reading and studying God's Word and trying to learn how to glorify and enjoy Him, but how can you if there are mistakes? What do you do and, and what do you ignore? How can you trust any of it if you can't trust some of it? So now let's circle back around to my cookie baking illustration from earlier. If the recipe you were using to make the world's greatest chocolate chip cookies had errors in it, well, then the cookies wouldn't turn out very well, would they? In fact, there really wouldn't be any point in even bothering to make them if you knew there were errors and knew they weren't going to work out. The same is true of the Bible. There would be no real point in trying to understand and live your life by the words in a book that you couldn't trust to be true. So with all that said, we can and we should be very thankful to God that we can trust him to always be truthful and that we can trust his word to be entirely true. So now let's move on to this week's memory verse. I will repeat it three times and I will give spaces in between for you to recite it as best you can. So this week, we're going to be doing John 14, 6. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, now let's move on to a question and answer from a catechism. Today, we'll be going through Keech's Catechism, question five. And again, just like with the memory verse, I will repeat it three times and give space in between for you to follow along and try to recite it to the best of your ability. Question five. How do we know that the Bible is the word of God? Answer. The Bible evidences itself to be God's word by the heavenliness of its doctrine, the unity of its parts, its power to convert sinners and to edify saints. But the Spirit of God only, bearing witness by and with the scriptures in our hearts, is able to fully persuade us that the Bible is the word of God. Question 5. How do we know that the Bible is the Word of God? Answer. The Bible evidences itself to be God's Word by the heavenliness of its doctrine, the unity of its parts, its power to convert sinners and to edify saints. But the Spirit of God only, bearing witness by and with the Scriptures in our hearts, is able fully to persuade us that the Bible is the Word of God. Question 5. How do we know that the Bible is the Word of God? Answer. 
The Bible evidences itself to be God's word by the heavenliness of its doctrine, the unity of its parts, its power to convert sinners and to edify saints. But the Spirit of God only, bearing witness by and with the scriptures in our hearts, is able fully to persuade us that the Bible is the word of God. All right, we're going to conclude today with a new hymn. This one is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. It's an excellent classic hymn. It was written by Joseph M. Scriven in 1855, and the music was by Charles C. Converse in 1868. A fun fact about this one is that Joseph M. Scriven was actually a preacher, and he wrote this originally not to be a song, but as a poem to comfort his mother, who was living far apart from him at the time, and he wanted to give her something that would comfort her. The version I have here of this song is played on the piano by my very talented sister-in-law, Susie Balme, and is sung by my equally talented sister, Stephanie Balme. Despise for sin. 